0: Nicholas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors.
1: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard. I hope everyone's keeping well out there right now.
0: Hold on. We're not even on Zencaster, are we? Yeah, it's just carrying on. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> mate. I thought we were meant to be like on a different thing. Yeah. All right, sorry. Sorry, I'm starting again. starting. No, right. we're
2: starting again. You're me <laughs> everywhere. You're staying in there. <laughs>
0: Hey, listen, we don't break the fourth wall, Stu. <laughs> Just, you know, come on now.
1: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard. Hope you're keeping well right now. Hey,
0: everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everyone's doing well. Good morning, everyone.
1: But on to this week's film, which is a bit of an Odd one, I think is the best way to put it. It's a movie called Wild at Heart from 1990. So I saw this film probably about 12 months ago or so. All I knew about this movie going in was that it was a big Nicolas Cage performance. And also that that Terry Wogan interview was the press tour for this film. Uh So that was all I had for my expectations going in. I thought this is going to be a little bit mad. What did you both think going into this movie? What were you expecting?
0: I, my only expectations were set by you, Andy, in asking me if I'd seen it and how it compared to natural born killers, which I'm sure we'll get into much like as we go along. So I expected a, um, whimsical love story intertwined with gratuitous violence, basically. Right. Okay. Jim, what were you thinking?
2: I had no, no idea at all. Um, just thought that I was trying to think of films with Laura Dern that I'd actually seen her in, other than Jurassic Park and <laughs> and the, the, the shit Star Wars film.
1: Um, the best one.
2: But other, other than that, I just went in with a completely open mind, no idea. I mean, Wild at Heart sounds like something that should be on the Sunday night on ITV One, but it, it was.
0: It was, yeah. Was it? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. it was like a program about like some vets or something like um, living in fucking the bush or something like that. I probably like Mm -hmm. butchered that completely. But yeah, there was a show called Wild at Heart on ITV. Oh,
2: well, there there you go
0: then. (laughs) (laughs) Justified. Mm.
1: Wish we'd done that. So, obviously, Laura Dern, as you mentioned, this she now seems to have had a bit of a renaissance over the last few years. Like you say, she's back with Star Wars. She was in Marriage Story, which she won the Oscar for, which is a fucking brilliant movie with a really good performance. I only found out, though, recently, the reason we didn't see her anything between Jurassic Park and the last five years or so, she was basically blacklisted by Hollywood. So when Ellen DeGeneres came out as gay on her TV sitcom, Laura Dern played her love interest in it. And that was what got her blacklisted. And that's why we didn't see her in anything, which seems ridiculous because Ellen Mm. obviously went on to be the biggest thing since sliced bread for a period of time in, in the States. Whereas Laura Dern struggles to get work after that. Allegedly so. A bit of an odd one, that one is, I Mm -hmm. I felt. Especially because Laura Dern is a really good actor. Everything we've seen her in since, she has been nothing short of excellent. Obviously, the other big name in this movie, uh, the director, David Lynch. Obviously, he's got quite a back catalogue of films and everything. Um, I've not seen much, or I've not seen any episodes of um, Twin Peaks, but obviously that is the... The big one for him. Isn't it? Stu, have you seen, watched Twin Peaks?
2: The original ones, not the new ones. I've right. um, I've got them. It's been so long. I need to watch it again from the start because I know it's. They did it quite cleverly when they brought it back to the exact amount of time since, um, the first one, um, first series finished. So, i need to go back. I mean, I, it, it was. fucked up and strange anyway, as you'd expect. Um, Mm. But I enjoyed enjoyed them for what they were, but I was probably a bit too young, to be honest, to kind of appreciate them that
1: much. Yeah, okay. Matt, have you got much of an experience with
0: David Lynch's back catalogue? Not really. I know of like Twin Peaks and I've seen how, I've seen some of the original and how kind of a lasting influence it's had. Um, My expectation was to expect the unexpected no Mm. my expectation was to expect the um the fluorescent and the uh hallucinogenic so to speak and and it not to be abc paint by numbers yeah and that's that's what we get
1: Mm. yeah i think that's entirely fair that's what lynch has made a career out of really isn't it it's uh, yeah, I do think saying expect the unexpected. I know it's cliched, but that is kind of what you expect with Lynch. Is that it's it's not going to be what a quote unquote normal linear story is going to be. It's going to mm. be a little bit different.
2: So the first the first time I remember hearing about him was um, the PlayStation Two advert that they the, the hired him to yeah. welcome to the third place with a duck which is just (laughs) fucked up. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it's one of them things that you remember. So, well, if this is what he does for adverts, then God knows what the series is, and that's when I went to watch Twin Peaks. So I must have been about 16, 17 when I watched Twin Peaks, Hmm. which is probably still too young.
1: I'd imagine so. Uh, Have you watched the trailer for this, either of you? Yeah, I did. I watched it, yeah.
0: What did you think? Um... Again, I thought uh, this is. I I thought it veered a little bit too much on the love story side of it, and I didn't think it was quite going to be as kind of violent and stuff as it was in the first opening few scenes. I thought, I I think, you know how um, Christ the films escape me completely now. Uh, uh, adaptation, the, 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 the trailer made it out to feel like a very different film. Yeah. I felt very much the same with this. I didn't feel we were in for the same kind of ride from the trailer as it wasn't going to be quite as um, eccentric and frantic.
1: Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer after watching the film, mm-hmm. and like they're completely different. So that like, the trailer, it, it starts with some kind of sans operatic music then goes into this thrash metal bit in the middle then goes back to a a classical kind of soundtrack to it. It's all over the place it's really odd. It's slow and tender and then fast and aggressive and then medium and sexy it's weird and it's all this film is all of those things and none of those things as well which I I suppose is kind of fitting for the trailer. Stu Mm. did you watch the trailer before after or
2: I watched one trailer after, and it was—it probably is the same one. Just because was—that's what I was saying about adverts earlier—that he knows what well, he knows what he's doing with things that don't make any sense, mm. and that's what I got from that trailer as
1: well. That's entirely fair. So IMDb describes this movie as young lovers Sailor and, Lo- and Lula run from a variety of weirdos that Lula's mom has hired to kill Sailor.
2: You are not going to see him ever. Like hell. I'd go the far end of the world for you, baby.
0: A man can't ask for more than
2: that. You move me, sail. You really do.
0: You want me to shoot sailor in the brains with a gun? Uh Uh-oh. We'll
2: I didn't have much parental guidance. Baby, you better run me back to the hotel. you got me hotter in Georgia asphalt.
1: This film starts with Sailor and Lula leaving a theatre. A man stops Sailor saying that Lula's mother, Marietta, told him that Sailor tried to have sex with her and that Marietta had paid him to kill Sailor. Sailor defends himself and kills the assailant. Sailor gets arrested, goes to prison. We then see him leaving prison after a few years and Lula rolls up in a convertible against her mother's wishes. She hands Sailor his snakeskin leather jacket and they head to the local hotel. We get some weird flashback stuff to Lula when she's talking about this time she was raped by her father's work associate. She says that her mother never knew about him But in the flashback, we see her mother walking in on Lula and the associate. And then we get an image of a car hurtling down a cliffside on fire. Then Lula dreams of the world on fire. It's such a weird and unnerving beginning to a film. Mm. I I suppose it's the unreliable narrator trope, isn't it? That we're getting off the bat, that we don't quite know who we're going to be trusting and what stories are going to be completely accurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that stood out like a sore thumb to me is that they used the word cunt in 1990, which <laughs> mm. was, as far as I'm aware, wasn't the done thing. We're not in this woke, quote-unquote woke world now, where the language hasn't evolved by this point, where it's in common common language. So that shocked me. I must admit, I thought, oh, this seems out of place. And that word still feels weird to hear it coming from an American
1: mouth, I think. Mm. Like, it's still not quite de rigueur in, in Hollywood films. We've seen it shitloads in British movies, but yeah, it, it does sort of strike i um, I'll never forget
0: i'll never forget when me and sam went to new york a few years ago we went to go watch king kong on broadway amazing if it ever comes to any part of the world you're in and and you get the chance to see in on the big stage, on on stage um and i was talking to the attendant at the door basically like we we, i'd gone to the door it wasn't quite time for it to go in and he said are you from england and blah, blah 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 chatting to him very pleasant kid um and i swore for something and he laughed and um and i i must have said something like um dropped something on the floor and went oh you cunt!" and went to go pick it up or something like that you know like and it just means nothing and he laughed and he was like like you like you english you like you just love to swear don't you like we we just don't swear like you swear like it just means it's so much more serious to us i wish we could swear like you swore and I was like, "Just fucking go for it, man!" And like, and he went, "Ah, fuck it." And he was just like, he was class, but he was just—he was like having this. We both speak the same language, but it means so much so differently. Just mm. bizarre, like our, our relationship with swearing and the Americans. Mm. I remember when I went
1: to watch *Buried*, which is a really good film, um, and the whole film is set within a casket, and all you see is Ryan Reynolds throughout the whole oh, movie okay. in a, a coffin. And there's one bit where he tries to call his wife. And I think it's, I can't remember if it's his sister-in-law or his sister won't pass a message on. And he calls her a fucking cunt because he's about to die. And obviously things are worked up. I remember the girl who was sitting next to me. I I didn't know who she was. She got really offended that he called her a cunt. (laughs) It got me really angry. I nearly called her a cunt. I'm like, (laughs) within the context of the film, it is perfectly acceptable. But it's still, especially when we're looking at films from more than a decade ago, it definitely feels out of place. Yeah. It definitely feels massively. weird. But Stu, mm. what were your thoughts like from that opening? It, it is a bit odd. But you don't really know your footing, do you?
2: Well, I went, this is the only time I wish I actually knew what the film was about before I went into it. Um <laughs> Because I was just I was completely baffled and no, I mean I thought well why is his sentence so short for one that he's, he's he's brutally bashed someone's head against the floor threw him against the wall killed him and then he's out in two and a bit years mm-hmm. it seemed a bit odd but obviously and then it, it carries on but yeah I couldn't I couldn't get over how young Laura Dern is in this it's only four mm-hmm. years till Jurassic Park she looks oh, ten years younger
1: yeah I think she would have been mid-20s, I think, in this movie, but, like, you do genuinely believe her at about 20-ish. Look, she does look long, young. Uh, so, we then joined Lula's mother. She talks about getting a hitman for Sailor. Uh, we then get another flashback to the no- night that Sailor killed the man. She threatened Sailor in the toilet, so when she lied and said that he was trying to fuck her, actually, she was the one trying to pre- proposition him. Uh, she knew that sailor was a bad guy having worked for the local mobster before he got with the daughter lula and sailor go to see a band whilst there sailor gets into a fight he then sings the sings with the band the elvis song love me lula asks why he didn't sing love me tender he says that's his that's the song he will sing only to his wife After the gig, Sailor and Lula return to the hotel. They make love once more and decide to run away to California. We find out that Marietta told Lula her father killed himself, setting himself in light. All of her daydreams are about flames. I'm assuming that is where the the relationship comes. So we're 20 minutes in at this point. As I said, just like I don't know my footing at all through this movie, we're bouncing all over the place. It does at least seem to be paced quite well, I think. It is at a, a decent clip that we're going, but I'm completely weirded out. Like you just said, I wish I'd known a bit more going in so I could understand what was going on. It seems to be the whatever the threads are which are going on, they're so disparate and so far apart, I don't know how they're ever going to come back together.
0: Mm.
1: What did you think after 20 minutes?
0: At, at this point, I'm still laughing at it not laughing with it right okay i'm 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 going god this is terrible but like (laughs) but i'm still enjoying myself i'm still enjoying the the spectacle of it i'm 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 there going i've been to plenty of gigs with this kind of music i like the music and we've it's never broke down into 50s elvis (laughs) like (laughs) but like I'm, i'm enjoying what i'm seeing so far and i'm thinking that it's 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 strange but it's not it's not it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, um, mm. and I, I couldn't quite put my I couldn't quite put my finger on what it felt like. Um, it felt like The Shining in parts, mm. in a strange way. You know, in parts of The Shining, where like out of nowhere, there's a fucking full size bear sucking off somebody in a in a side room. It's just like at any point that bear could have turned up and given someone a blowy. Like it just, you just didn't know where you were, and that's 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 intentional. That's that's there for a reason, and it absolutely was the um, was how I felt. Stu, what did you think?
2: I got, at this point I got my phone it and was looking at snakeskin coats on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't for this, it would have been off. I was so bored. I was, I was just, I'd, I'd had enough already. And I was, I thought, well, it's, it was, it was almost like being weird for the sake of being weird at this point. And I, I mean, yeah, you get kind of resolutions later, but it, it was just, maybe it was showing its age a bit, but I just want, I want dignity at this point.
1: Mm, okay. So Marietta hires a private eye to track Sailor and Lula. At the same time, she also hires Santos, the local mob boss, to track and kill Sailor. She tries to talk him out of it, but Santos tells her there is no turning back. Whilst heading to Cali, Sailor and Lula stop off. Sailor is regaling Lula with a story about his sexual exploits. I really laughed when he said that his former beau said to him, take a bite of this peach. Mm-hmm. Like, I wondered if she was related to Castron Pollock's Troy from Face Off <laughs> for a minute. I wonder if that's where he got it from. I suppose we've got that from Face Off, and the snake skin is obviously what he wears in Snake Eyes as well. Yeah. When he mm-hmm. wears that batshit suit at the beginning. We get a scene where Marietta scrawls lipstick all over her one hand and then all over her face and body. She's having a breakdown because she cannot call off the mobster. She calls Farragut, who Farragut, sorry, who is the private eye, and say she's coming down to be with him to track Lula. Farragut gets taken by Santos's henchmen and murdered.
0: I, at this point, had in my head that Stu would absolutely love this film, <laughs> and I tell you why because it had it, the. It's not quite an interrogation scene, but when they're like. Torturing him, basically, it just felt like really hokey camp Bond, and I thought mm. that would be right up your street, Joe. But
2: that kind of it, until the Roger Moore films, that wasn't really the intention. Mm. It, it, I think it's just an age thing with the, the, the Sean Connery films, but with the Bond with Roger Moore, it, it was hammed up to the max. This, I don't think he was. I think it was just not very good. <laughs>
1: Whilst continuing on to California Sailor confesses to Lula that he worked for Santos And talks about him being at Lula's house The night that her dad died Sailor and Lula witness what they see to be as a bad omen A car crash with only one survivor Rather than going to California Sailor and Lula end up meeting an old friend of Sailor's Perdita Durango (laughs) He asks her if there is a contract out on him. She lies telling him that she's heard nothing. We get a flashback of hers and we see that uh, Santos and Marietta setting fire to Lula's dad. So we now know that it wasn't actually suicide. He was murdered. Lula gets sick, so they stay in the motel for a few extra days. Sailor teams up with a small-time crook, Bobby Peru, played by Willem Dafoe. I'm confused as shit why he's wearing those false teeth. Like, mm. he doesn't look like a gangster. He looks like a fucking diddler. It is just, <laughs> it's weird. i read that apparently Willem Defoe only found the character when he put those false teeth in. But I don't know what they, I don't know why he did it. I just don't get it.
2: It was, it was like something from Deliverance.
1: <laughs> it was, yeah.
2: Without the banjos and the, um, and the sodomy. But which, who? I mean, that, that was the only thing that missing from this film, really, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, especially later on when it kind of zooms in on them, you think, why? Mm. So, it, it's obviously they're not real.
1: I just, I, yeah, I couldn't wrap my head around what, what the point was. Because it's a Lynch film, I expect there to be symbolism to it. And I mm. don't know if there was. I don't know if I was looking for something that just wasn't there. Lula figures out that she's sick because she's preggers. Sailor says that he's happy to keep it. Lula says she doesn't think that she is. Bobby Peru threatens to rape Lula. Lula manages to force Bobby away. She stands there thinking there's no place like home. There's no place like home. As she begins to traumatically reliving her youth where she was raped. Bobby goes to meet Sailor and talks him into robbing a store. Before the robbery happens, Lula tries to talk Sailor out of getting closer to Bobby and has a breakdown. Everything is wild at heart and weird on top. I just wish there was somewhere over the rainbow. Perdita reaches out to Bobby. They discuss the bounty that's on Sailor's head and how when they rob the store, Sailor might just have an accident. Things go wrong on the job. Perude needlessly shoots the store clerk. Bobby reveals to Sailor that he's going to claim the bounty on Sailor's head and that he gave him dummy bullets. Police officer was nearby, overheard the shooting. He catches Sailor and Bobby as they leave the store. The officer shoots Bobby, causing him to blow his own head off. <laughs> that that looked really, really hokey. and like, I know it's 1990, so the, the, the standard of CG and what have you isn't brilliant. But it looked fucking awful. Like he shoot, he manages to shoot himself in the face with the shotgun, and his head just jumps off his body. <laughs> like it looked really bad.
2: Yeah, you compare this to RoboCop three years earlier, mm. and yeah, the um, yeah that the Murphy thing is a dummy, but even so, it looks brilliant when he's like, well, his hand goes and and scanners uh, scanners
0: sc- was like uh, nine yeah. years before nine years before good point yeah mm.
1: so sailor is sentenced to six years in prison lula's mother tells her not to meet sailor when he leaves she tells her to leave her alone and throws water over a framed picture of her mom the picture sizzles and melts lula is there with their son to pick him up he tells her he isn't good enough for them i will not be joining them after being knocked out by some hoods, Sailor has a vision from Glinda the Good Witch, who tells him, don't turn away from love. Sailor sees the error of his ways and runs after Lula. While she's sat in a traffic jam, Sailor is climbing over the cars to get to her, where he starts to sing Love Me Tender, the song reserved only for his wife. The end. Now we got through that really quick. There's actually, It feels like there's a lot of peripheral stuff around this film, but mm-hmm. not a lot of story. I don't know if that's a fair assessment. I don't. I don't think I've like gone through it fast. I don't think there's a lot there to just go through, to be honest.
0: No, it, there isn't at all. Um, and it's a two-hour, five-minute film. I felt every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
2: I fully expected to be the the what the odd one out with this because of how highly rated it is, but I hated every single minute of it. (laughs) I mean, I I laughed at, there's bits where I laughed at, but I don't know if you're supposed to have been laughing at it.
1: Well, when I've been doing a bit of like the stuff that we'll get to in a minute, all of the reviews of this film refer to it as a comedy. So I think you are supposed to laugh at it, but I don't really see it as a comedy. I don't think there's enough humour in it to really laugh at. There's a few bits where you might just mirthfully chuckle but nothing proper laugh at
2: is this a case of it doesn't translate maybe and we're looking at at this 30 odd years later and we're in a different country
1: and we just don't get it maybe maybe there is some of that i I don't know so the budget on this film was 10 million dollars Um, The box office, I could only find the North American box office and not the international. It got $14.5 million, which, when you adjust it for inflation, works out to about $31 million in current money. I mean, that's not a bad return for an R-rated movie. Um, And like I said, it's an R-rated comedy, technically, which generally don't seem to do very well. But it's done all right in in retrospects. Uh, 1990 was a very different looking box office to what we get today. So obviously, last time when we discussed uh, Drive Angry, it was all sequels and comic book movies. In this time, there is only one comic book movie and two sequels in the top ten. So, would you like to have a guess at the comic book movie or the sequel from
0: 1990 in the top ten? It's not going to, you know, it's not a trick question. It's not Last Action Hero, is it?
1: No, it's not.
0: I do like Last <laughs> okay. Action Hero. It's um,
2: 1990.
1: Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy's Oh, actually, that's two comic books then, isn't it? I forgot Dick Tracy was a comic strip, yeah? Yeah, that, that's up there. The uh, other one,
0: 1990. Give
2: us a clue. My, about my returns? No.
1: Uh, it would be my favourite comic book that isn't from DC Comics. And animated series. (laughs) DuckTales. No. (laughs) It would be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the other one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The two sequels.
2: The one, that again, that you don't think of as a comic, but it was.
1: Mm, Yeah. The two sequels uh, in at number 10 was Back to the Future Part 3, which got $87 million. And in at number seven was Die Hard 2. So those are the two sequels. Uh, The biggest selling movie that year was Ghost with $205 million. So it just shows how far we've come Uh from $205 million being the the biggest box office draw. And now we're looking, generally speaking, at around a billion. Mad times. Uh, The Best Picture nominations for this year's Oscars, Goodfellas, Godfather Part Three, Ghost, Uh Awakenings... And the winner was Dances with Wolves, which also gave Kevin Costner the best director. Fucking Goodfellas was out this year, and Dances with Wolves won best picture and best director. What an absolute shambles the Oscars (laughs) are. Before I give you the scores, do you want to tell me what you think this film is going to get out of 10 or 100? Stu?
2: It's going to be high because it's all so wanky. Um, It's It's one of those things where you know that it's so far that side of things. I mean, (sighs) critics—I'm going to guess because it's Lindsay nine or something something silly like that. Um, Audience around about seven or eight
0: somehow. Matt, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. I I think the critics will be around at eight, eight point five audience score. 6, 6.5. So the audience scores,
1: <clears throat> on IMDb, it's got a 7.2, and the Rotten Tomatoes audience was an 81%. The critical scores, the Metacritic gave it a 52, mm. and Rotten Tomatoes critical was a 67. No way. So actually, the critics didn't like this as much as the audience, which I very much surprised at, because like Stu said, it's a little bit arty so I expected the critics to be a bit more appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan Rosenbaum, um, he said perhaps the major problem is that despite Cage and Dern's best efforts, Lynch is ultimately interested only in iconography and not in the characters. Scott Tobias said that there's a spontaneous, anything-can-happen feeling to it that the primary uh, That is the primary appeal of any road movie. Variety said it's joltingly violent, wickedly funny and rivetingly erotic. And Mike Massey said that most of the time it's unquestionably disturbing, but every so often hints at a deeper meaning that pokes through all the strangeness. I think there's hints of a deeper meaning I don't think it ever pokes through. I think it just hints at it. I don't think anything breaks that surface personally
0: i yeah i can't think of anything that jumps out to me again sorry i was i might not have even have been one by the time this film was released so i don't know where we are culturally at this point or anything like that i never lived through it or anything so but if if this was a social commentary or anything like that it didn't show it through this film do you know what i mean hmm
1: Stu, what do you think of what the uh, the critics had to say on this?
2: You can see some of it was so blatant, like you said, the uh, no place like home and then cutting away and looking at her feet and the the red slippers and that kind of thing. Um, but it seemed like there was something there that we're just not getting, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what it is because there was there was weird cutaways like the the, the fire and. It was it was There was hard cuts there for a reason, but mm. it didn't make any sense, like a lot no. of it. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it was just too much.
1: Mm. So the fan response on Amazon.com, it's got a 4.3 out of 5 after 1,199 reviews, 83% being either 4 or 5 stars. So, yeah. Albatross gave it a four star review saying, I guess there's probably three types of people when it comes to David Lynch films. One, people who love his work, find it unique, deep and refreshing change from the Hollywood norm. Two, people who find it a pretentious mess, lacking in any real story. And three, people who say, who's David Lynch? <laughs> if you fall into the third category, I guess jumping in as his 1990 film Wild at Heart is as good a place as any. To start your journey into his twisted mind Uh, This is a typical Or a quite typical David Lynch film In that the narrative deliberately strays away From being particularly linear And in many cases is open to interpretation As to what is actually going on in the story Much of what you get from a David Lynch film Is based on how it makes you feel Rather than the story it tells I think that's quite a fair um, Critique of the movie actually James Winfield did not like the film, though. He gave it one star. If the pandemic hasn't quite taught me that life is too short, making it through around 40 minutes of this movie did. (laughs) A cosmos of turgidity, unintelligible trash for those far more easily pleased than I avoid. And Weird Donut said, I set off for an IQ test this morning as I watched this last night and found it to be utter drivel. I must be thick, all of those other appreciative reviews, and then there's me thinking the opposite. I need testing. Yep, that must be it. In fact, I never made it to the end. Stay away. So, the good, the bad, and the crazy. Matt, start us off.
0: So the good, um, for me, would have been Defoe in this film that stopped it from being left behind bad for me. (laughs) um he his character had it was it was fitting with the rest of the film he was strange he was odd he was weird but i found him mildly entertaining at at parts with a kind of i liked the whole colonel sanders vibe of uh, colonel sanders vibe of like the the hitmen recruitment agency as well, mm-hmm. there were some interesting characters within the shit show that we were being presented. That, if actually some development was given to them, would have would have made it a lot better. Um, and William Dafoe was was one of these. Really, I, I enjoyed his character a bit. Mm. It's about as good as it gets. <laughs> um, the bad was, I, I was physically ashamed of watching this and putting my <laughs> and, put, and putting my wife through it. Because I said to her, wild at heart, it's going to be like a love story. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And she's watching it. And she's she keeps looking at me and not even saying anything. That's how I know. <laughs> is. She just looks at me and I'm like, God. And I'm just like, God, this film's so shit. This is this is awful. This is absolutely abysmal. And I can just see it in her eyes. Like She's like, you know, you do a lot you do, Matt. You go play Five side. You record these podcasts you go out and stuff like this. So when we spend time and watch a film together, like it's nice. And then we watch that. <laughs> <Awful>. <laughs> the crazy, I believe that was Nick Cage's real singing voice. Yes. It and he has yeah. the voice of an angel. Yeah. Um, really uh, impressed with that. Yeah. It was actually quite good. And I like Elvis and that kind of music, oddly enough. Um, and I thought it was really good. I actually mm. quite enjoyed it. I, I would listen to it. Yeah, I want a film about Elvis
1: played by Nick Cage now. Like mm. 100% I'd be up for that. Stu, what's yours?
2: The good was Nick Cage's singing voice. <laughs> 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 that is it. That is it. The rest of it was absolute wank. <laughs> it's the, it's without doubt, it's even going below next. Wow. Because I absolutely hated every single minute of this film, like I already said. It was (laughs) was pretentious bollocks from start to finish. It didn't make sense. And then when it did make sense, there was no real payoff. It could have been... It it could have been anything. It could have been so much... It could have been a slap... If this was a slapstick film, it would have been great. But it wasn't... It was filled with all this other, other stuff, which didn't need to be there. And I know we said that things that don't need to be in films a lot. And there's three stories in one. And But like you said about the, um, the hitman detective agency, that was, that was funny. If that mm. had been a, a film in itself, if that had been what, like it's described as that, this is what it is. It's going to be a cast of weird and wacky, almost like a kind of hitman version of the wacky races. Mm-hmm. I'd watch <laughs> that. I'd watch that all day long.
0: Mm, but this yeah. film
2: is not that. It's something else. And thankfully, I'm never, never going to have to watch it ever again. Um, the crazy, I mean, look because the whole William Dafoe teeth thing. I, I, I had to have a look at certain things and fe- found out that he actually really did piss in that toilet in uh, in that rape scene, <laughs> uh, and that it actually wasn't plumbing it wasn't plumbed in. So some some lackey had to come and clean up his piss off the floor. So that's horrible. I mean, that's the best. That's as, as crazy as this film gets. And that's probably better than the entire film
1: itself. So, my good. I really struggle to put into words this film. Like, it's a wafer thin plot, but it does feel like there's stuff going on around the plot. It feels, it does feel like there is a deeper meaning to it, but I can't quite get to it. But at the same time, it also feels quite light and throwaway. It feels very unique which is something I do associate with uh, David Lynch. I don't know if that's madness or genius though, if I'm perfectly honest, that mm. it's, it does both, but maybe does neither. I'm not quite sure, but what I, what I would say is it does swing for the fences. It is balls to the wall. And I do appreciate that when, if you're going to try for something, at least go for it. The bad, there's a lot of sex in this film, but it isn't a sexy film. Mm, so it's no. so like, I remember in um, like Game of Thrones, they used to joke that whenever there was sex on scene, they used to call it sex position, because they, all it was about was giving exposition, just having a normal conversation, but giving you something to look at. And that's sort of what it felt like. Because I mean, even though Laura Dern is absolutely gorgeous in this movie, at no point do you sort of think there's anything lusty going on with mm. them. It, it just feels very... Up. yeah it just feels very superficial i think um but again i think that might be down to lynch if i'm perfectly honest the crazy so this is the film i saw shortly before texting you to to say i've got an idea for a podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god in heaven
1: because this is the dichotomy of cage isn't it Mm. it's the the madness of, of everything in the films he picks and the the, the work that he puts into his acting like this does sum him up quite well. I think the other crazy thing is like, I, you might be able to help me with this, but I, I don't understand the wizard of Oz references. There's quite a few of them. So we get the wicked, Witch. they mention Toto. We get the red shoes clicking her heels together after Bobby tries to rape her. I wish there was somewhere over the rainbow, the crashes when the world gets turned upside down. I think that evokes the, uh, you know, the house being blown away, and then we get Glinda the Good at the end. So there's all these references to Wizard of Oz, but I don't know how any of those actually run alongside this film. I don't the, know what this film is trying to say about the Wizard of Oz, or nothing, vice versa. Nothing. It's a Lynch thing. It does it all the time. okay. So again, looking for something that possibly isn't there.
2: It's just like a like director cameo kind of thing.
1: Okay. Right.
2: So if if you go and watch... If you go back and watch Twin Peaks, there's so much in there Mm. all the time. I don't know about the new stuff because, like I said, I ain't seen the new ones, but the originals, it's all over the place.
1: Mm. Interesting. So did you enjoy this film? Um, I'm going to be the outlier here. I think I did. (laughs) I say I I think because I'm not 100% sure, but I have watched it a few times over the past 12 months. It's interesting, and I want to get it. I want to understand it. And I think that's commendable, maybe. I don't know. Is this, I'm, I'm, I'm on the is, fence, but I think I like it. Is it like when you kind of drip whack,
2: whack, hot wax on yourself for the first time, and you don't know if it's pleasure or pain?
1: <laughs> it might be, yeah. It very, might, very well might be that. Steve, yes. No. I, I'm guessing it's a no, but yeah. No.
2: It's, an, it's an absolute definitive no for me
1: okay
0: Matt no I, I I didn't I really didn't like it was a struggle from start to finish i'm I'm okay with experimental films and I'm okay with trying to do something different and I enjoy the fact that it's not cookie cutter and stuff in film but this was this was self-indulgence in the extreme with very little payoff for it or very little... There's very little to enjoy about it. And I will openly admit that I'm not as an aficionado with with, with film, you know, as yourself Andy and in others. But I don't even feel like it's just me being stupid, watching this and not enjoying it. I just don't think it's a very good film at all. That's fair enough.
1: So based on this film and this film alone, was Cage good or was he bad? Stu? His
2: singing was good. Um, and his, his choice of clothing was... I mean, that, that was another crazy... That, that was his actual jacket. He, he owned that jacket himself. Oh, really? Fantastic. There was, some, there was something about how he gave it to... It was something about Laura Dern's mom or dad or something in a film, and then he gave it to her at the end of the film. Um, this is. I mean, I, I was looking at things... I was reading stuff about the film when I was watching it, because it was so <laughs> shit. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that it, that was his actual coat his actual jacket, and he bought that to set. Um, I mean, he wasn't... He didn't sing the place out, did he? I mean, he, he did... Again, what we spoke about in the past, that he did what he had to do, but I can't give him a yes for this. No one... Apart from... I think Willem Defer probably gets a pass because he was... Apart from the weird teeth, he was very good, but
0: no, no, he's not. Not, for, not on this. Bad. Matt? By saying, by giving him a yes, it's paying this film a compliment, which I can't do. <laughs> he was entertaining in it. He he was funny in it. His delivery of his lines were, were good. And the chemistry with Dern's character was really fun. Mm. Really fun. Really enjoyed it. If this film was just a road trip gone wrong between two star-crossed lovers that come from a shit heap, F- f- family background who find each other. This film would have been ten times better, ten times better. But it's not at all. And I think Nick Cage was entertaining in this, in spite of the film, not because of the film. And so for that reason, I'm out. No, for that reason, he can't. I can't say yes. He's a good actor in it because I don't think. I don't think the film allowed him to be. Unfortunately.
1: Mm. I think this is a first where I'm going to say yes. I think okay. he was excellent. I think he, I think the three main actors in this were all really, really good. Um, I remember the story about Christopher Nolan casting Heath Ledger as the Joker uh, because of Brokeback Mountain. He said that he was a fearless actor because of that. I think any director who saw Nick Cage in this film in the '90s would have thought the same that he was fearless. Mm. Um, I think this film Is what won him his Oscar If he didn't do this I don't think He's going to get cast in something like Leaving Las Vegas So for that yeah, It's a yes for me on this one So finish the sentence If you enjoyed Wild at Heart You might also like I'm going to go a bit out of the box on this one Again and I'm going to say Mom and Dad So obviously I know we loved Mom and Dad Great yeah. film could you just imagine that this film was Kendall and Brent's early years when we knew that they were a little bit crazy? Yeah, yeah, And this yeah. this was actually them, and then they settled down in suburbia. So Sailor and Lula become Brent and Kendall. So mm, watch this. That. Watch Mom and Dad. That's what I'm saying. Stu?
2: <laughs> that actually kind of makes this film better, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, if you enjoyed this film, you know, you're head testing for one. Um, I mean I'm not against experimental weird films I mean if you want to mess with time then go and watch a now long film go and watch Memento or something like that but I mean if you want things that are not in the right order and it's got a bit of violence and it's actually well made let's go and watch Pulp Fiction again
1: Hmm. superb film I still think that's probably my favourite Tarantino and I am a fan of Tarantino but I don't think he's ever been able to top that one personally.
0: Matt? So part of the bias of this film and how I felt about it was it stacks up with a top three of all-time films for me in Natural Born Killers. Now, Natural Born Killers is very much a spiritual successor to this film, and it is it is this film in a lot of ways. It's the story of Mickey and Mallory um, to... to it, it's my favorite ever love story natural born killers because it's love that perseveres through everything that's wrong in the world and everything murder violence depravity rape everything and this and it's a love story throughout it all and it's a play on americano and it talks about how we have this fixation with serial killers and how we love to we love um to see everything that's wrong in the world it's everything that this film wants to hint at, but it's actually done well. I love Natural Born Killers. It's just sensational. It's experimental. It's a social commentary of America at the time. It's got a love story. It's very violent. It does what I understand One um, Division does, in that it will cut in and take a sample of a different style of TV and just do that for a little bit. Like um, like the '50s American TV sitcom, there's a bit of that in there with like uh, like a cast being watched by an audience and like with canned laughter and stuff like that, and it just does it really well. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is in it for a short while and very, very like early role for him. He's sensational. And honestly, I, I I can't say enough good things about Natural Born Killers, and if just watch it let us know on Twitter how this film want this film is directly influenced natural born killers, but just does it 10 times better and um, you'll really enjoy it. Excellent. I'm going to add that to my list
1: because I still
0: haven't got around to I it. I can't believe
1: that. I know it, it It very much sounds like my kind of film, but for whatever reason,
0: just never got rein to it. The, pro- the problem is for me with natural born killers is it, falls into the category of there's an excellent company on instagram called hell on shirts and i post to you their shirts all the time in our yeah. whatsapp group Um, i've got a natural born killers one and it's like it's got mickey and mallory Knox on the front but on the back in massive letters it is part of like the ending of the film it says um it's just murder all of god's creatures do it um, which is kind of the justification for some of the things that they do on this like road trip that they're on but it's just in massive, huge letters. And I just feel as like, as like an adult now <laughs> that goes to the national trusts. I can't wear it, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't wear it can. anymore. <laughs> I remember when I wore, when I was in, when I was in New York, I wore my crow t-shirt that says death is coming on the back. <laughs> and I had like more than a one, more than a couple of people be like, death is coming. What the fuck? And they were like, like proper, like, cause of the subways over in, in New York, that there's something else. Like it's, it's just a, a microcosm of, of every single individual kind of person that could ever could be in one incredibly fast moving vehicle. Um, and this guy was going absolutely like, I can't believe you're wearing that! I can't believe it! I, th- I, th- I think he must have thought I was some kind of Satanist, probably. Yeah,
2: yeah. like one of the uh, like one of the goths in South Park, flicking your fringe.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he could be like uh, Billy Burke from Drive Angry. Leading your own cult. Yeah, I could have been. (laughs) So that's us done with another Nick Cage movie. If you've seen this film or any other one that we've ever discussed ever, let us know about it. Cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Make sure you've got us on the Twitter as well. And that's our Cagefightingpod. This is where we will ask you to ask us your questions or answer our polls, give opinions, anything and everything really. As you're listening to us now, please make sure that you are following us on your favourite podcatcher. That way you won't miss an episode. Uh, whilst you're there subscribing, please, if you could leave us a review. Every time we get a review, apparently it pushes us up the analytics and it just helps other people like yourselves find us. So we would genuinely appreciate it. And also, if you could tell a friend about us, we would love that. And finally, just thank you once again for just letting us into your earbuds for another week. We do appreciate your time. So, for this week, Matt, would you like to say
0: goodbye? Look after yourself, guys. Stay safe. Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
2: Doesn't even deserve a quote from this film at all. I'm not even (laughs) doing it today. Had
1: enough. Take care. Love you all. (laughs) It's goodbye from me. And remember, I do sure like a woman with nice tits like yours. See you next week. (laughs)
2: You know, I sure do like a woman with nice tits like yours who talks tough and looks like she can fuck like a bunny.